This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Ben Wilmer and you are listening to Every Step Along The Way podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to your latest episode of Every Step Along the Way. This week, we're going to get on to Gareth Owen leaving the club, transfer targets, some are signed, some are in the pipeline, some may be drifting away. We've also got the win against Notts County to review. But first of all, we've got a very special guest. Now, this guest has just spent 20 years at Stoke. This guest made their debut at 16, has been captain from 19 right the way through till their retirement this week at 30. They've been a member of the 2012-2013 treble winning squad. They've won the County Cup 13 times and the small matter of three heart operations, I believe. Yeah, that's correct, yes. (laughs) How are you? (laughs) Yes, not too bad, thank you. How are you? I'm not too bad. Now, that's a a fair list of accolades there. You've got oh, this How are you? Yeah, that was quite late. I wasn't expecting that. It's quite nice to hear. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you like I say, you you've announced your retirement um this week. How come? Why why now? Um, I was I can't say that I've gone into it with years of thinking when am I going to retire because I think as a player, you never really know. Um, you never really know until it gets to the point that you do know and I know that doesn't make much sense but when I was like 26, 27 I used to think about oh, I, I don't have overly long left but the thought of retiring would, would genuinely upset me because I was I was obsessed with football um, and then I got to 29 so last year and I thought I've got at least 12 months, two years left and I, and I knew I wanted to continue but it got to halfway through this season and I just started thinking in my head I'm already, I'm not. So I spent the second half of the season weighing up what I wanted to do. Um, it came to the end of the this, this season. I didn't want to make a decision on the last game of the season because, well, number one, it was Forest won the lead. I didn't want to take anything away from their big day. I didn't want anything to be focused on me with our girls because it could have been some of their last games in a Stoke shirt anyway. And I wasn't 100% ready to to make that decision. So I needed to take some time away from football to realise what I wanted and what I didn't. And uh, sometime in, in June, start of July, um, I did make the decision to, to retire. I just feel ready. That's all it is. Yeah, so you feel that you've sort of accomplished everything. You've sort of gone, 
I suppose full circle have you in your career and you sort of come to the point where you think what are you still playing for maybe I, I just feel like I've I've get I've given everything I possibly can and and I've genuinely I really mean that I couldn't have given any more than I have for the last 20 years um and I'd go as far to say as probably there's some situations that I've been in um family wise personal wise that I've put football first because football's always it tends to come first for me and I know that doesn't sound um fantastic but I think when you're in when you when you live as a footballer for so long it's a lifestyle that you just used to have in so when people say to you oh my god how do you do that how do you go to training after work and I'm like that's that's just the way it always has been so then when I've taken myself out of it and I've thought of certain situations of something's happened and and I've just I've got on with it and I've gone to football and I think well that's not quite normal like that's not how somebody normally lives their life so because I've given so much for so long I just I feel ready for for like the next chapter really I mean you must feel a big sense of it, of achievement I mean the, the things that Dan rolled off the tongue there at the beginning I mean do you look back at that Meg and think bloody hell I actually I really have achieved here actually I, I've made the most of every moment I really would have liked to achieve more I know that's a typical footballer thing to say um <laughs> but in in certain times at Stoke um we probably haven't done as well as what we should have done um and that you can only see that in hindsight um there's 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 certain situations where we should have finished higher in the league or I think but I can't remember what year it was but we had a really really strong squad and in my opinion we should have won the league and we didn't um so don't get me wrong I'm very happy with what I've done at Stoke but if I'm being honest I would have liked to have done more I just wanted to kind of obviously women's football has changed a hell of a lot over the last few years it's 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 becoming more and more prominent and obviously Stoke ladies have gone to the it's more of a semi-pro uh type situation I mean that must have been something that you probably couldn't have envisaged uh a few years ago maybe I think it come around a lot sooner than I thought it would um I think that part part of it could have been the decision that I made obviously with my retirement part of the decision that I made because now the club's in a place where it can move forward I feel comfortable letting it go in a way like I, I feel like I've done all I possibly can the club's in a really good position um I am happy to take a step back and let somebody else lead it forward in a way like within it within a captaincy role um but if you'd have asked me a couple of years ago I knew something was in the pipeline I knew the club were wanting to push the women's section more I just didn't think it would be this soon yeah that's that's sort of similar on the lines of like obviously we you know, we we speak to Lou Roberts quite a lot don't we on here and and when you did go semi pro then that announcement was made I think that was a question we put to here is that is is there going to be casualties of this and I think naturally there is isn't there? because it, that's a massive ask for uh, girls because obviously you girls that have been playing the you know, the ladies that have been playing for the Stoke women's side it has been sort of a side thing alongside work. And to ask somebody to give up a career or a job or whatever and go full time with that, knowing what a short career football is, it's a massive thing to ask of somebody as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's really difficult in the women's game. So Newcastle United women have gone professional in in our league in T three this year. And I thought, wow, like if if that had to come a couple of years ago whilst I was at Stoke, I don't know what I'd do because 
I love my job I've got now. And then they're putting this in, this contract in front of you to sign a professional contract where you've got to leave your job. And then it's like, well, in 12 months time, what do we do then if they don't renew your contract? So um, there's not a lot of security around us at the moment. Um, th- th- things like that do concern me, but I am 30 now, so it's going to, whereas the people who have just finished uni or the people who are in a job that they don't necessarily like could jump at the chance. So I think it just depends on on your circumstance. But hopefully going forward, um, the women's the women's game is only going to get bigger and better and there's going to be more more money in it. So hopefully that leads to longer contracts and, and more security and stability. Yeah, uh, you said as well that obviously you, know, you took a step back over the summer and you've looked at maybe looked at football from the outside and thought, you know, like you say, like, what am I mad <laughs> doing sort of, um, you know, like putting football before everything, which it, I think that's, it's a, that kind of game, isn't it? It does get to you like that in, in, in all aspects, in a lot of aspects of that. Um, what, what is your next step then? Do you see you continuing in any role in football or is it like, a, do you feel at this point it's going to be a complete clean break? Yeah, so um, Ange, the general manager and, and Vicky Martin, technical director, have asked me to stay on. Um, I did. I said to them when I when I, I told them that I retired that if if possible, um, I would like to stay within the women's section because I don't think I'd be able to do something for twenty years. And I know I said obviously lifestyle it takes a lot, but I couldn't go from doing all of that and being at Stoke for two thirds of my life to then nothing. So. I'd, I'd love to stay a part of it, which I will. Um, I just don't know what that kind of looks like just yet. I guess the the move to the semi-pro type situation, strangely though, was probably opened the door up to allow you to make that type of a move as well, because probably maybe that wouldn't have been an option before. Yeah, so the, the more the game develops um, and the better we become as a club, the more staff that we're going to need. It's inevitable, really. So um, it's probably a good time. Like people say to me, it's like it, it's a bad time for you to retire because of how much money's going into women's football as a player. But it's not a bad time. I think it's quite a good timing because of the amount of opportunities that are available to, to females in the game that are retiring now to go into the staff positions. It, there's, there's that many things that you can do that they're trying to rep- replicate with the men's game. The options are endless, really. How do you sort of from this? You've got the like, obviously, you've been at Stoke for 20 years, and that, like I say, the how it's progressing now at such a massive rate. And um, how has it changed like the evolution of this football club in the past 20 years? You, you've seen it all firsthand. How can you, you know, what was it like 20 years ago when you started? Oh, god. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I when I started in the Centre of Excellence is what it was called, um, I was playing for two other teams at the time because I could only play for Stoke once a month. There wasn't enough girls teams. There wasn't enough girls teams back then for us to play every week. Um, so I used to play for Stoke once a month. Then I'd play for Leak girls and I'd play for Leak boys. So I was playing for three teams a weekend. Um, they then got to be more Centre of, of Excellence around uh, over the years. So then I went to Stoke as a full-time I wasn't signed for anybody else um but the difference from even when I went into the first team at 16 to to now I can't even begin to tell you like if you don't adapt with the game year after year and get better whether that's technically or even just physically fitness wise 
you get left behind. It's it's moving that quick. So even like this year from last year, it'd be a massive difference. Do you think like say the elite when you broke into the side, like the elite clubs in the women's game then, would they be like struggle to get anywhere near the top end now because the standard has just improved so much? I think the game's completely changed. Um, it's, a, it's a different game. So back then, it was more about your physicality. Um, and can you hold yourself in a game? Can you battle? Can you hold yourself? Whereas now, it's far more technical. So you get, you know, like in yeah. the men's game, you used to have footballers. And now you get a lot of athletes. That, they're, they're decent footballers, but they're more athletic. Um, that's the way the women's game's going as well. So it's it's gone from your physical footballers to... You don't get me wrong, good footballers, but very athletic. So, like I said, if you don't if you don't change and you don't adapt your game to the way that the football's going, you you do get left behind. Yeah, so like 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 pace involved and um, like say pace strength. Yeah, fitter, stronger, faster. Yeah, and yeah. I think as well, like it's like you said there, though that that the women's game is progressing so much and. There's so it's it's sort of highlighted so much. It's got a great sort of TV deal where it gets sort of you know um, broadcast on like the BBC, doesn't it as well? So you see a lot. There's a lot of eyes going on the women's game, which can only help it grow, both financially and and obviously with putting bums on seats in stadiums as well. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, um, the last I don't know five or six England games, they've they've sold out the stadiums that they played in. Including the bet three six five last year, so it's it's obvious the the demand is there. Um, we're coming up to the World Cup now. Hopefully, we do well. Fingers crossed. Um, but the more girls and women that play football, um, and that starts from school age. The more the more girls school teams there are, the more girls we get involved in football at a younger age, the better England are going to be in the long run. Yeah, I think as well like you say that the more the more girls there are involved from a young age. The more girls then want to be involved as well. It yeah, sort definitely. Of just expands, doesn't it? The more the more girls see other girls doing it, they want to then be involved. Because I, I, I say, if there is still, there should be. I hope to God there is, but I imagine for some people there may still be a stigma attached to, to football and that. And the more, like I say, the more girls that get involved, they'll see their friends or whatever doing it and just just get involved with it themselves. And that that's yeah. going to be a good. Thing. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, I was on Twitter not long ago, and I, I saw I saw a tweet from somebody. They've got a daughter that wants to play football, and I think they had a, like a school uniform list of, of things. Obviously, the daughter needed to take to school, and there was a list for the boys and a list for the girls. And on the boys' side was football boots, but on the girls' side there wasn't. So there's still I, th- I still think there's a lot of growth needed. Um, but it, it, it comparison to when I was at school, it is a lot better than it used to be. There's a lot of education yeah. that, that still needs to go on. And uh, I mean, we know, Meg, from our listenership that we have a, a lot of, you know, a lot, a lot of women who are listening, uh, various age ranges. I mean, if if you would, if, if you've got anyone listening now that obviously is, is looking to break into it or has a son or daughter, son or daughter, because I think it matters in, in, in men's football as well. But if there's anyone who wants to break through, I mean, is there any particular advice that you would give them? Maybe not even necessarily on how to get involved, but any life lessons that you've picked up that, you know, may, maybe a mentality thing that, that could help them? I think you need to have a form of resilience um, because football 
it doesn't always go well. Um, there's things that happen. There's, say, for example, you can get dropped one week. You can get released from, you know, the team that you love playing for. There's, it's, it's, it, there's like very, very highs and very, very lows. So you need to be able to deal with the both of them really um, and stay grounded. But one thing that I have, I have learned, and it's, it's such a simple thing, but it's just enjoy playing football because if you enjoy it and you love it, um, that's when it gets the best out of you as a player and the social aspects with your teammates. I, one part of Stoke years ago, part of a team that was so close. Um, we, we'd, we'd have given everything for each other on the pitch, but we got on with each other really well. We all enjoyed it, all enjoyed playing football. And that's when I really, when I was one of my happiest at Stoke. So the enjoyment side, even though it sounds so simple, but if you enjoy your football, you get that much out of it. Yeah, I, I do think that, like you say, the the importance of enjoying it because if you're going to be doing something long term, and let's face it's, I suppose it's it's a lot like like all sports and all sort of things we do for enjoyment, isn't it? Yeah, some people will be able to get to that level where they can do it either professionally or as a job or you know, or, or like yourself, to do it to a real high level, uh, but the majority of people is going to do it for fun and the mm-hmm. the thing is do it for fun <laughs> do, if yeah. you enjoy doing something do it yeah you spend so so many hours there and and so much of your time goes into it whether that's even at football or outside of football you, you need to be able to enjoy it. you need to you need to be able to have fun and and i am i'm extremely competitive i always have been i've had challenges i've had goals i always like to focus on something found out over the years that you just you just need to enjoy it um and and the more you do enjoy it you know the the longer you end up playing anyway um and I've made some really 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 good friends over the years that if I hadn't played football I never would have met them yes well one of them's uh, missed an opportunity tonight hasn't she because because you got to send them some great questions to uh to Lou didn't you when she, uh, yeah. she came in the first time, and I, I did drop her message. I said, "Yeah, I told you you were coming on," and she's, she's <laughs> that busy. She's not been able to get back to me. She's missed yeah, a slot. Yeah, she's manic, bless her. She's she's got so much on. <laughs> Just make yeah. sure you give her a ribbing for the for the Arsenal comment, Meg, that I mentioned. <laughs> yeah, I will do. Yeah, I definitely will. I'll mention it to her. Uh, but thank you thank you for coming on tonight do you find are you going to come back Meg are you going to come and join us again sometime yeah 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 definitely let me know fantastic well we will speak to you again but yes congratulations on your talent and congratulations on that amazing career thank you very much cheers Meg there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
So then, Mike, back into the current day, uh, Gareth Owen has left the club, or he has announced that he will be leaving the club uh, shortly. Is it a shock at this point that another high management role has, has been vacated? Um, is anything a shock? <laughs> I mean, anything's, anything's possible. The only person who hasn't gone is the manager and the owners, I think. I don't, is there anybody left? Ricky I mean, Martin is uh, cracking that whip, I think. <laughs> Wow, yeah, I mean, I mean, the amount of P45s that have gone out recently, and you now it's it's just another one, isn't it? That's uh, that's gone out the door, and I mean, I must admit, we knew there were going to be a little bit of a change, you know, over the over the summer uh, and all that. You know, we we expected players, obviously, some staff. I don't think anybody anticipated the change to be this intense. I mean, Gareth Owen, you know, he's he's obviously been a academy director. Uh, he's been here for for some time, if I remember right. I think it was two thousand eighteen, two thousand nineteen. I think it was. Yeah, um, he's, um, he's got his whole philosophy in the academy, and something that seems to be bearing fruit as well, isn't it? So it's mm. interesting that he has gone, uh, and obviously, he's a former academy graduate from the club himself, and obviously, he started his career coming through our academy. Yeah, and if you think about the players that have come through, Dan, over the years, you've got Nathan Collins, obviously Will Forrester, um, Tez Gal, Nathan Lowe, obviously, as well. Um, Tommy Simkin is obviously trying to break his way through. Uh, I'm sure there's more I'm missing off here. But, you know, it's not a bad little list. Yeah, not at all. I mean, we'll talk about the Notts County friendly in a minute, but, you know, there was was, how many of them players were on there, do you know what I mean? And um, others that have come through, that maybe like you know Joe Basics who maybe was signed later on, but still went into that academy system and worked the way then through into the first team, didn't they? From there, um, yeah, so yeah. There's like I said, there's a lot. Harry Suter, another one. So yeah, there's there's been a lot, and I think there was yeah that, that's not played down. There was a lot of money invested in the academy around this time, as the you know the the latter years in the Premier League. There was a lot of money put into buying a lot of good young players, bringing them in, developing them. But there's a lot of young lads, like you say, your lows, Tez girls, um, Salsa DB coming through now. You did you know, high ups for Will Smith, Jack Griffiths before his injuries was really highly rated, Tommy Simkin. They're all pretty local lads, aren't they? You know, they've all been here for a long, long time, and if that's the case, then they must be doing something good in the academy. Yeah, and and that's what I don't. I don't know if we're maybe going for a slightly different structure. Is someone going to replace him? You think so, wouldn't you? I mean, surely any academy needs an academy director, surely, uh, unless they're just going to be. Imagine, I was going to say internal promotion, but I mean, someone has been there for a week. It's a bit weird to give them internal promotion, <laughs> really. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I, again, I don't I don't know what to to take from it at all. Um, again, like all these internal moves and also, you know, the the new people we brought in, it's all a, you know a guessing game, time or tell type situation. But um, you can only wish him the best, and you know he's he, he can probably leave with his head held high. Whether again, it's not for us to speculate on someone's job, but whether this is. Maybe it's they've just decided to go down a completely different um, structure internally, or they want just a complete revamp. So anyone that's left from, you know, what they may see as contributing to our downfall over the last five or six years, maybe that's what they want to try and get rid of. Um, 
I mean, I'm sure the players should take a, a lot more responsibility than necessarily all the backroom staff. But uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I think the official line is that he has told the club he wants to leave to uh, seek a new challenge, which mm-hmm. you can you you can take that in any which way you want. But obviously, he will know um, what that means and what that looks like. Uh, there are a lot of the people who've left, you know, I mean, we've got people going to Chelsea, there's been other people going to Premier League clubs, Wolves. Um, so I think the opportunities are out there. I think his stock is certainly higher than when he joined the club, put it that way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It'll be interesting to see where he goes. And like you said, the staff are leaving to, you know, they're not going down to League Two jobs or, you know, just disappearing. They're getting well-respected jobs. So clearly, whether we think they're right or not, people in the game certainly think they are. So, um, yeah, again, I'm not against any of the people we've brought in either, by the way. It's, it, you know, no issues at all. Paul Gallagher, obviously, we've mentioned previously. Um, again, some ties to the club is a well-known coach. I think, obviously, Morris, I think we mentioned the other week, uh, very, very highly respected um, again. So either way, I guess, as long as we are getting the people in for the now and the, for the future, uh, you've just got to trust the club. Maybe they have when they say, oh, no, we've learned our lessons. Maybe they have. Obviously, they're closer to it. They know what contribution these people are or aren't having. So you've just got to trust the club and, you know, hope they've hope they've got it right, really. Yeah, indeed. And, I mean, we mentioned there about the Notts County friendly and there have been a lot of academy graduates on show there. I mean, there was 22 Stoke players took the pitch during that day. I mean, we were there, <laughs> mate. Yeah. I think if we're going to go through this game, 5-1 victory. Um, obviously, Tyrese Campbell got himself first half hat-trick. Could have literally had six or seven, couldn't he? And Easily. Was, uh, Tom Sparrow opened the scoring, and then uh, DeMarjo Wright-Phillips rounded off our scoring by scoring the only goal in the second half. We're going to run some through some names at you now. I think we're, we're best doing it quick-fire, because obviously there's a lot of players that we've possibly seen in a first-team thing for the first time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, okay, Chuck. So Tyrese Campbell, thoughts on him in that game? Um, like you said, could have had six or seven. Um, you know, it's good to see him getting his shooting boots on. We're gonna need him finding that net a lot this season. Can't really argue that the Notts County defence didn't have a flipping clue how to how to manage him. So uh really solid game. Should have had six or seven. Uh but you know, a hat trick will do to to get off the scoring, I guess. Yeah, sharp new haircut and sharp all with his boots on as well. He, look, he looks very fit. Um, and I'm sure the, the missus would agree, I'm sure. But in terms of fitness, <laughs> um, he looks very fit. Uh, he's you know, There's no extra timber. Uh, I've, I, I don't think I've actually seen him in this good a shape uh, for, for a few years now. So um, hopefully that's a good omen. Yeah, going to dodge onto someone else then. Tom Edwards has today said that he feels he is the fittest he's ever been. Now, I said to you, didn't I, a couple of times, couldn't quite notice with that shirt, was it? Um, was he carrying a bit? But he looks like he's maybe bulked up, and that's what it was, That obviously with the bib on and that. He's actually now become more of a unit, if you like. Um, how do you feel Tom got on? Um... Tom was unlucky. He, he he came on with a completely inexperienced team around him. Um, he will feel very hard done by. I think I may have said this on the uh, the, the, the Twitter Spaces uh, conversation we had, but 
he really must have felt hard done by not being able to to actually work with a first eleven or good chunk of a first eleven. Uh, the one thing for me, I, 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 I like Tom. I think you know he's got Stoke at heart. If he's going to have a place in this team now or as a backup, um, he if he's going to play right back, for instance, he needs to sort out what was his Achilles heel when he was here last time. And that was his defending at the back post. Every time a ball came across, he'd be beaten in the back post and we could see the goal. If he stamped that out of his game and he's you know, a bit more bulky, he's not going to get knocked off the ball, I can't wait to see what he's going to do this season because I think he could be a really good player. Yeah, because he's not the tallest. And if championship strikers, especially the big target men type ones that are, that are lurking around this league, if they get wind that he's susceptible to that bat, bat ball into the back post, they will just prey on him, won't they, and just get an easy nod in at the back post for, you know, get a goal, get themselves a goal. For sure. Uh, what competition he does have at right back is another, well, another local lad's come through the academy, Lewis McCory. Uh, yeah, I mean, first off, he, he looked really tidy. Um, some nice, neat interplay with Brown and obviously the midfield. He was taking his man on. At, at time, you know, he did okay in defence. Um, I think at times, again, inexperience probably cost him. I think they did get in a couple of that, a couple of times down that kind of uh, left flank of theirs. So, yeah, he, again... Good, positive start. He was one of the highlights for me. And as I said to you a few times, didn't I? Because that is the first time I've seen Lewis Macari in the in the flesh. And I was like, is is that Macari? I said to you a few times, just because he was he was not you know, it was being noticeable. So I was like, okay, well, who is this guy then? Um, so you know, I think that showed because there was a lot of players, especially second half, who who didn't make that impression. So um, yeah, we're a bit light in that position. So whether he's capable of playing with us throughout the whole season, whether he needs another loan. Um, I guess that's what these, you know, Spanish camps and stuff is all about. Yeah, indeed. I think for me, like I say, he only got a short deal, which obviously I don't know whether that covers him just for the pre-season, covers him until January, I don't know. For me, I'd give him at least 12 months this season, see how he progresses. Uh, I saw enough against Notts County for me to believe there's a potential player in there, uh, squad level at least. So for me, he'd get a 12-month deal. Uh, another youngster to play in the first half, Emery Tezcal. Now, we saw him, we felt he got, he was a bit manoeuvred off the ball, shall we say, mm-hmm. he, he, quite easily in the first five minutes. But for me, he showed really how clever a footballer he is in that he thought, right, this guy's got, physically, this guy's got me. He's, he's got my number. What am I going to do? So I'm going to drop off. I'm going to drop two or three yards off. I'm going to get myself a bit of space. When the ball comes to me, I'm going to lay it off. I'm going to lay it off quickly. And he was he was knocking the balls off first time. I mean, the past as deft a touch as it was for um, I think it was Macari to run onto once it for one of Ty's yeah. balls. That was a beautiful just little nudge around the corner there. And, and if he can start producing down the championship with the kind of pace and that that we'll have, you know, we've got in forward areas, that's you. You will definitely be making an impact. And I could not have actually put any of that any better than you have. Uh, yeah, I was about to say, yeah, he he figured out very quickly that he can't go toe-to-toe and he won't be able to go toe-to-toe in the championship for a few years yet. Like, he has got some serious growing and bulking out to do. So, you know, but again, when you, when you think back over the years, Michael Owen wasn't known for, you know, Barging players out of the way, was he? Like he he was known for his positioning, his pace, how he how he went about it. You don't need to be a big bulky, 
striker for that. Unless we're playing for a target man, but then you wouldn't have as a target man. You'd have him on the, on either side. So um, again, Emery's been raved about. There's question marks whether he's ready for the championship or not. I think the guy deserves a chance. What What's the worst that could happen? Get him in the cup games, you know, West Brom. Start him against West Brom. Let's see what he can do there. We've got very little to lose with having him around the squad, I think. Yeah, for me, I, that again, I was like, you know, is he, is he too young? You know, don't want to put too much pressure on him. Let him develop at his own rate. For me, I know it was Notts County. I know the defence was a bit of a shambles at times for him. Just a bit. for me how cleverly he adapted to that game and he, you know, there was a couple of times they went straight through the back of him and fouled him and he just got up and walked off there was no like hiding he didn't hide he didn't there was no sort of rolling around and, and making a meal he just sort of went okay yeah get me get me whatever let's get on with it and that's quite promising to see as well from him isn't it you, know, you don't want you don't want a young lad that who can be like yeah, how about it? And you know, that's you don't see him for the next twenty minutes because he's disappeared out of the game. No, and, and if he isn't going to stay um, with us, you know, you don't know what obviously Alex Nill's plans are. No doubt, we're after at least a, at least one striker. I'm sure probably we're probably after more. But if he's not going to stay with us, then I would like him to to go to maybe a Notts County, you know, a team that are going to try and play football. Uh, we we, are, we we want him in that type of structure. Uh, maybe a Crew Alex, potentially. Um, I, I, really, I really don't care as long as it's a footballing team uh, and we could see him grow. I, he's proven, I think, in that game. And again, as you said, it's one game, it's so a friendly. But I don't think League Two is, is above him uh, right now. I wonder, um, I wonder if Alex Morris will be the one picking the phone up for that. Hi. <laughs> Well, <laughs> maybe. I mean, they, they use connections like that, don't they? So yeah. may, maybe that is something just to keep an eye on. But yeah, absolutely no arguments from me. Did really well. Should have had a couple of goals himself. Um, I mean, a, a couple of assists. It, what What is it to complain about? It was it was just a, a really good, solid game for him. Yeah. Uh, one more young lad that we'll touch on is Matt Baker. Now he seems to be sort of man marking David McGoldrick, didn't he, for a lot? And you know that is that is a, not an easy task for a young lad to be given, because David McGoldrick is one of the most experienced strikers in the football league. You know he's been around for decades. It feels like, doesn't it? Um, yeah. And he's very clever. His movements really good. And Baker just you know because at times they look like they were in a flat back five. Then he'd push up into the midfield if if McGoldrick. Drop if McGoldie went further forward and Baker followed him into that defensive line, then sort of Wilmot sometimes stepped into midfields to make it back into a four. So it was quite fluid in the way we were playing. It was quite interesting to watch from out from out. We were sort of perfectly in line with that defensive line, weren't we, in the first half? And it was interesting to see how they were moving it and, and changing it. Um, but for me, Matt Baker, again, I'm not saying get him in the first team, play him every week, our problems are solved, but if if you know if there was an injury and we said oh Baker Matt Baker's starting, uh, you know on that on that performance of a day I wouldn't be horrified. Uh, no no not horrified at all. I mean he's he's a young lad. I mean he did lose this man a couple of times that what I noticed. Um, but I mean Christ the the best midfielders in the world lose the man so you can't really criticize him too much for that. I, I just yeah I, I just think there's. I want to see more of him before I make an actual judgment. Uh, he didn't have a bad game, not a bad start. And I think the experienced players around him definitely helped. How would he play? 
without that experience around him, I question, you know, without some guidance, what, what, where he would be, would he hide? Would he just completely lose his bearings? I, I, again, I don't know another one with the jury um, still out actually at the minute. So uh, yeah, again, though, no complaints overall for me, Dan. He, he had a decent ish game. Now, the second half was pretty much an entire young side one. So they said Edwards was in there. DiMaggio played. And I know you yourself said that you felt that none of them really impressed you as such. And they were maybe, um, tell me if I'm putting words in your mouth here, I forgot you wrong, but maybe <laughs> you were all looking a bit lightweight. Um, yeah, I mean, DiMaggio definitely was the highlight from them. Um, mm, yeah, there was that chap uh, down the right, was it Redding? Um, yeah, down the like, right. Yeah, he, he, you, you were impressed with him, weren't you? Yeah, so I was, when I was sort of going through the team here, I was like, Blondie made me very nervous. <laughs> um, yeah, he made me very nervous. He came, he flapped it across really terribly at one. Um, I don't think he looked very commanding at all, really. Um, but then the rest, I thought McCarron did quite well. Redding, like I say, looked lively. Definitely looked like very direct and very carefree. Somebody who saved the 15 minutes to go against Rotherham and he's on the bench. He's the kind of player you chuck on, isn't he? Someone who's just going to get his head down and run at people, drive and put them on the back foot. He's that kind of player. You know, Not someone who's going to maybe start championship games, but certainly someone who can come on and create a chance late on if you, you know, if, these, if the game's a bit flat. Um, yeah. I thought the centre-halves, Akagbu was yeah, an absolute unit and he just came and won everything in the air. Whether that's enough to make him a championship defender, time will tell. But I think lower down the pyramid, he's definitely got a future there because, like, say he's 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 commanding in the air. Once he didn't lose a header in that second half, and obviously you've got uh, Badly Morgan next to him, who I think had less to do. I think he was sort of the the sweeper of the two. Once he, you know, I can't go for the header and Badly Morgan would be the one drop five and pick up anything that was loose. But obviously. Because Akagbu didn't lose a header, he didn't really have much to do. <laughs> he just okay, um, and then but then I do understand. I think that maybe Jack Griffiths looked a bit rusty. Didn't look like back to his best yet. And then obviously Will Smith and Ben Kershaw, good players, but again Smith's I think is only sixteen still. There's a lot of time to progress. There was glimpses, but phys- physically he wasn't quite there. Dora McGuinness um, showed the difference between a decent under-21 striker, and a very good one in Emery Tazgell. One thing I did say to you on Saturday, didn't I, I think, is it's easier for players like Macari, for example, to stand out in that team or surrounded by more experienced and better players than asking a young, inexperienced player to stand out in a team full of young, inexperienced players. Yeah, no, for sure, of course it is. Because again, you've you've you know you've got guidance, you've got clear structure. Now those other players are quite familiar with how they need to play. So yeah, I, there's always an element of of experience that's going to impact the rest of the players around them. I mean, for me, you, you mentioned one player actually when we were talk, talking there about uh, Baden Morgan. I thought he had a better game than a Kagbu, to be honest. Um, I thought Kagbu made some sloppy 
errors at times. Nothing that cost us any any you know positional. It was a very strange pass, wasn't it? Oh Just yeah. I, I, I don't know if we've seen a guy in the stands with a, a red top on. <laughs> I I I we've seen a red seat. I, I don't know, but um yeah, uh, he, he he was. Eh, I'd say, but Bradley Morgan for me didn't do anything wrong. He was winning everything in the air. He he felt quite, you know, he wasn't knocked off the ball easily. Um, I, I'd love to see a little bit more of him. I'm not sure any of them, and I still stand by this. Bar Wright Phillips um, is is ready, even close to this team right now. But that doesn't mean that they can't be in six months' time. If I'm, you know, the Stoke staff. You, you've then got to maybe weigh up how many of these do we send out to a, a League 2 team um, or League 1 if you think they're capable and how many do we keep around the you know the under-21s with you know coming into the first team's training sessions. It, it It's a toss-up really. We, we know that under-21s football is nothing in comparison. I mean, if it was down to me, I'd send the entire lot of them out on loan, but we know that well, we can't exactly do that because we'd we'd have no uh, we, well we wouldn't play playing in the youth tournaments, would we? So <laughs> it's a, it it's an interesting one. But it must be very difficult for them to know what is the right thing to do. Yeah, indeed, and like you say, I mean, for me, Liam McIron, I thought didn't really put a foot wrong. I thought he was quite good. He was snappy in the tackle. Yeah. Um, he linked up quite well with Demarjo, didn't he? I mean, he put Demarjo through a couple of times down that left hand side. Uh, wouldn't I wouldn't again? He's another one who, yeah, you know, I'm not technically saying he's the one who was first choice in the team, but if he was, that Josh Timer was injured, and he was injured, and you know he had to come in and play play a game, play two games, then yeah, okay, fair enough. It's not the end of the world. Um, but I do think also he's a little bit older than Tillian McCarran. He's a little bit older than the others. Um, obviously coming in from Leeds, and he had that spell at Port Vale last year. Um, right, so somebody who has joined us then, Mike, this week was Ben Pearson. And that news, hey. that news was uh, announced just prior to that friendly against Notts County. Um, yeah, cracking signing. Just what we needed. We we know what he's about. And we? we've we've seen it. We've he's been, been here, done it before. So uh, yeah. What a different this could be a game changer for us, couldn't it? You've just taken the words out of my mouth. Game changer signing, hundred percent. You saw, you saw the impact, like you just said. You know when uh, he he came last season, like the difference pre Pearson and you know with Pearson in the team was night and day. Like the guy's got the right attitude. Uh, he's in a position that is very very hard to find quality in. Not just for Stoke in the Championship as a whole. Like he will be if if we get the Pearson back from last season, maybe even fitter, because obviously, again, he's got a proper preseason behind him. We get him, he will be, I'm not aware, he will be the best defensive midfielder in that league. Um, the fact that we got him for around one and a half million is an absolute joke. Like, that, that is the bargain of the summer for me, and it, it, there won't be many bargains like that. He will be, and I've used the term a lot, he'll be the concrete that, that holds up the foundations. You know, you need a solid defender, solid goalkeeper, solid midfielder, solid striker. We've got a solid striker in Tyrese. Yes, we want to add to it. We've got that midfield. We've got, again, Pearson. So we've got that solidity. We can build around him. Defensive, we've got Ben Wilmot for me. Again, we can build and increase that and make that better. Um, And then goalkeeper. Well, we know we haven't got a decent goalkeeper. So that's somewhere we need to look at. But 
this is potentially the start of building that core group and core foundation for me so i i absolutely agree um over the moon we could not have found anybody better if he would have gone to luton i think the stoke fans would be feeling extremely deflated right now yeah i think the fact that there has been interest there confirmed interest there wasn't there and and he's decided to come to here whether it be geographically or the alex neil factor or whatever he is here. He signed long term as well, four year contract, I believe. So, yeah, I'm saying what an absolute bargain. So, FFP wise, we've got him for less less than four hundred grand a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you name me, a better set, uh, you know, defensive midfielder for four hundred thousand pound a year in the championship. You will not be able to name me one. I guarantee you. Um, but yeah, so welcome back, Ben. Um, Thank you for joining us back. Uh, you will be loved, trust me. Um, and and uh, thank you to Ben Pearson's mum as well, by the way. <laughs> um, yes, we we know, yes. we we know yeah we know what that's about. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's uh, and, and, yeah. And, uh, I don't actually I, I don't think that's a comment you can leave there. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so I, mean, I don't know, I don't know if uh, if uh, Mrs. Pearson is listening, um, but yeah, she wants me to follow her numbers. Yeah, she yeah she did, and um, yeah, we well if 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 you are listening, it's very clear that we love Ben. So uh, yeah, if you had a, a hand in that, thank you very much indeed. And I'm sure he's uh, probably happier to be nearer to home now, so can't be a bad thing. Couldn't say better myself. So all the all the links. Now, Bayram, our man at Galatasaray, uh, still waiting for any news on this. Now, it's all gone very quiet. Uh, one report that I have seen this week said that after he played so well as he did against Hull, they want a closer look at him before he's uh, before deciding whether they're going to keep him or not. What's probably more accurate is that they've got bids in for uh, Davison Sanchez from Tottenham and also um, Angelino. Uh, who's obviously a left-back who can play in centre. I imagine if they get those two in the door, then there's going to be no rumours there for Bayram in that Galatasaray side. Uh, and then that will be his loan out authorised. So I imagine that's what we're doing. We're just a bit like buying a house. We're just in a chain at the minute, aren't we? We're just waiting <laughs> for everyone to, everything to fall into place. Tottenham are probably buying a centre-half to let Sanchez go. And then, you know, as it sort of the domino effect until once one deal gets done. The all four. This is one of them. This is one of them deals, Dan. Where you know Alex Neil's been on about. You know, you've got to wait for things to move in different areas and different Premier League teams who are trying to do their deals to let other players out. And as you said, it's it's a ripple effect or butterfly effect. So um, this is going to be one of them deals that we're going to have to wait on. No doubt by now, if you know if it is alone it's not very difficult to negotiate i'm it's easy for me to say it's not very, it's not very difficult to negotiate alone you know it's who's going to pay the players how much you're going to pay us as a fee great come for six months this is what we're going to have as a you know it's, it's a buy clause or whatever it is i'm sure it's easier to negotiate that than it is to negotiate an out or out perm deal you'd expect but yeah we're, we're waiting for the the apples to fall from the tree i think on this one yeah, and a couple of apples that are hanging on by a thread may have already dropped uh, is the Andrew Moran, a very talented centre midfielder at Brighton, can also play at the back. Uh, he's played a couple. I think he's played uh, one appearance for Brighton in the Premier League, but he was on the bench sort of you know, weekly in the second half of last season. Blackburn were after him. I think from reports we've come in, gazumped them, 
he's coming here on loan for the season. What I hmm. believe is happening is that Brighton don't want to let him out on loan yet. They want him to be training with them because obviously he's a young lad. He's training with their first team. And I think, you know, it doesn't sound far-fetched because I know it's something that we've done as a club before with our young youngsters. You keep them back for a few more weeks because you want them to to learn your ways of doing things and then you send them out on loan to go and, you know, I don't know, improve their weaknesses, if you like, of whatever, you know, to round off their game. So Brighton want him to sort of learn their ways from training or whatever and sort of maybe even get a closer eye as to what you know, where he's at. Uh, but yes, yeah, as, as far as that deal, I believe it's all in place. They're just waiting for Brighton to give it the, the thumbs up. Um, similar with Daniel Johnson, isn't it? I, agree, I imagine that you know the deal with Alex Neal may well have already been agreed, but he's out at the Gold Cup, which is obviously North American's version of like the European Championships. Jamaica have got to the semi-finals. They've got a game with against Mexico. I believe that will have been played by the time this podcast comes out. Um, but the thing is, like, we've got, let's say we've got the lad of Brighton, we've got Daniel Johnson. Then deals may be in place, but Alex Neal's stretching this budget as far as he can. He doesn't want to say, yeah, he's probably agreed in principle, they've shook on a deal. Yeah, you go, oh, go, you know, you go play with Jamaica. As soon as you finish, come back. You know, you have a couple of weeks off, holiday, whatever, you know, you play this tournament, come back to us and, uh, you know, contract's waiting for you. Now, if Daniel Johnson goes to play for Jamaica and does his ACL and this two-year deal all of a sudden sees him out for 12 months with six months major rehab after that, Alex Neal's probably going to say, actually, you know, I can't, we can't do that. And you know, that's football. <laughs> yeah, and what I want to ask you then, Dan, um, if you, let's say you get Daniel Johnson and then you get this Andrew Moran, how's our midfield going to look? Are we going to have Ben Pearson as the defensive midfielder and then, I don't know, um, Loren, Moran and potential Johnson being those like three other midfielders? Do you think it's going to go down that route? Or? I think that dependent on the opposition, whether you want two, two eights or two sixes. So do you want two... Mm. Because I think Moran's a bit deeper of a player. So he would probably play more with Ben Pearson. And we know that there are going to be games, you know, just the way that Ben Pearson plays, there are going to be games when he's unavailable. So there'd be, be an easy swap there anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, but obviously, I think you have your Loren will be further forward, um, doing your running, your box to boxing as well. You'll have um, Pearson as your holder. And then, like I say, Moran can play. He can play both, but I think he's probably better a little bit deeper. So if you play with two, you've got him. If you wanted to attacking and more attacking-minded, you've also got Daniel Johnson who can come in further forward, a bit like Will Smallbone did last year. But obviously I'd say in a different matter because I don't think he's got the legs that Will Smallbone had. Um, also, I don't think we will, even if Daniel Johnson signs, I don't think he's a 90 minutes, three times a week guy anymore. Um, I think you'll probably see him coming in and influencing games as and when, whether he starts and goes off after 60, 70 minutes uh, or whether he comes on for the last 20, 30. You know, I, I think he'll know that as well. Do you know what I mean? From the reports we get from Preston, you know, it's that's the way his career is sort of going now. But if he can come on and produce and change a game, 
football's not all about the 11 players who start, is it? You need a good bench, you need game changes on the bench. Hence what I was saying about Kalen Redding earlier on for me. I'd stick him on the bench just because he's something different and he's got a, he's got a different you know, style of play. Same with DiMaggio. You know, you want players who can come on. Your bench needs to be players who can come on and influence a game, whether that be defensively and hold out for a, a victory or whatever, or go on there and you know open the game up and create chances for you later on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's going to add a lot of experience, isn't he? He's going to he's going to have a lot of experience he can add in there. Like you said, Ben Pearson will get himself sent off and booked, um, especially you know a couple of games before the end of the season when you think you're going to go an entire year without a red card. Thanks, Ben. Um, so yeah, it's I'm looking forward to seeing how Johnson gets on. Either way, you know he has played with. Um, a lot of other players, a lot of experienced players as well. Um, and, you know, when he actually signed for uh, back in the day, uh, when he joined Chesterfield on a loan, uh, his first debut was a 2-1 win away at Port Vale. So um, he knows how to uh, how to win over a local Midlands team. So we'll, uh, we'll take him. We will indeed. I love him already. <laughs> yeah. um, I think that was a bit just about wrapped. He's up on to it. We had a... Uh... We had a great start to this pod, uh, talking to Meg and that, and um, yeah, we're a great, a great servant she's been. Rounded up the friendlies. Um, I suppose one last thing we will mention before we do go: Easy Jet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I, I have. There's some people have a serious problem with this. I, I, I think that's what's the problem. What's the issue? <laughs> it got into A to B, didn't it? Um, I don't think it was an issue, mate. I think there was a lot of people who were just looking to have a laugh and too many people taking it seriously. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing about it, right, as well, I was, I, I would, can't believe I actually had to genuinely think about this, but I was like, how many airlines go from, say, Manchester or Birmingham to Spain? It's not going to be a big British Airways 747 jumbo jet that's going to take you to you know an hour and a half, two hour flight. It's going to be your low cost carriers, your easy jets, your jet twos, your Ryanairs, which I'll never encourage anyone to boycott them like the plague. I'm not going to go into it, but either way, they're going to be the low budget airlines. So, you know, I, I think it's just people were having a laugh and people were taking it wrong way that they've just got a plane that's taken them from A to B. And that's all it is. And it'll do them some good roughing it up instead of going first class. I mean, what's first class on on EasyJet? Is it a tray table or is it, you know, one without fag ends burnt into the side? I, I genuinely don't know. I've not been on an EasyJet uh, flight for about 15 years. But, yeah, it, I think it was just a laugh, I think. Oh, let's see some of these. These, you know, six foot three, but, you know, solid 13 stone men. Crammed into that aircraft. Oh, yeah, I bet there's some uh, very. Uh, I wonder if they pay for the extra leg room. They can't all do it, can they? No. I bet they were fighting, fighting over, over them seats. <laughs> I wonder if Alex Neal was uh, playing the I'm the manager card. <laughs> Alex Neal, probably one of the smallest ones there. <laughs> come on, Demarge, you come sit at the front with me. <laughs> yeah, so. I will not be joining you next week, Michael, will I not? I will be sunning it in rainy North Wales. Going away Friday to Friday, and it's going to be raining for five of the seven days. 
although Wednesday is the day when the sun will shine, apparently. So recording day, the sun is out. <laughs> so you're not even going to put the effort in and record a pod. I've got to basically do it myself. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, on on previous uh, visits to this location, signal from the internet is a bit scarce. So I can't promise nothing. What I might do is I'll send you some. I'll send you some voice notes. How about that? Would you like that? Yeah, uh, go on then. I'll I'll let you off. A voice note will do. Um, and then when you're not there, obviously to record that one, I will be. But I'll be getting on a plane to. Where do you think? Where are we going? Disneyland Paris. Mm. Woo! No, not not Vegas this time, Dan. Um, so yeah, Disneyland Paris for the family. And guess who I'm flying with? Nadine. Well, yes, obviously. EasyJet. So, um, yeah, as long as they don't cancel my flights, I'll be there with EasyJet. I'll, I'll sit in... Uh, the official Stoke City airline. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, um, technically, I'll be away when the pod goes out as well. So, um, yeah. We're both uh, stunning ourselves, aren't we? Well, I shall see you uh, for the Rotherham game, then. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we still need to buy those season tickets. we best get on it, haven't we? Yes. So, um, but don't worry, people, because uh, our new friend Tom will be—he'll be joining you next week, won't he, Mike? He will be. Yeah, we'll break down. I think we've got a few friendlies um, around that time, so we'll break down some of the friendlies. We'll talk about all the signings that have been made while Dan has not able to record a podcast. Uh, we will probably do a, a Stoke Spaces on Twitter, so make sure you uh, you know subscribe and do all that fun stuff, and you'll be able to get involved. So uh, yeah, Dan, you probably picked one of the worst times to possibly go on holiday because we're going to sign about five players by the time that happens. So I said this had happened. <laughs> said this would happen um, and then when you are away the following week then Tom will be joining me and as it stands there is a very special very knowledgeable guest in championship terms who will be joining us I'm going to leave it like that because these things have a habit of not coming to fruition at the last minute um, but we've been given the thumbs up that he will be joining us so uh, yes I'll leave that one dangling there for you to try and work out who it could be you have a good time at Paris I will have a good time in Wales and uh, I will see I will see you all in a few weeks and Michael will see you all next week see you later folks bye guys away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for McDonald's maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.